Hello, I'm ABC 7's Teresa Gutierrez. On this edition of the Enya Beat, we'll turn our focus to entrepreneurship. Along with my colleagues Stacy Baca and John Garcia, we'll highlight several Chicagoans who are taking care of business. A leap of faith, a lucky break. These Latinos and Latinas are leaving nothing to chance, armed with guts, experience, and education. From his home base right here in Chicago, artist and designer Diego Rocha has staked his future on our need for a handbag. Stacy Baca has his story. Brazilian-born Diego Rocha has always believed that he can make a great handbag, so he took the chance and he put his name on the line. I knew it would be a, a huge risk to start a business that I had no idea how to start. I said, why not? I'm going to take the risk and I know I can make it. While studying in New York and working for a handbag designer, Diego Rocha began toying with the idea of developing his own brand. I thought, I can do something better. Every bag is a challenge. Sometimes a piece is more difficult than the other ones, but in the end of the day, I know I can do it. Self-taught and determined to succeed, Diego's handbags were quickly noticed by customers of Macy's and Bloomingdale's. Besides retail and internet sales, Diego is happy to set up an appointment and have customers shop in his studio. If they want a custom-made bag, they are more than welcome to come to the studio. Whatever it needs to be a perfect bag for that particular person, I'll, I will do it. I just want to have my customer really happy. I like to be in touch with my clientele. I work with women, they have so many brands, so all the time I'm trying to make something they don't have. And being in touch with them, I think that's the, the key to understand your client, who you're designing for. 30 to 40 hours of detailed cutting and sewing go into each finished clutch or handbag. Now you start with the sketch and you start cutting the cardboard and decide the shape and the size of the bag. I'm very particular with the sewing and I like to be very precise about everything. It has to be perfect. Expecting nothing less than perfection limits the amount of handbags Diego can make in a year, and that drives his price. But it also distinguishes his work. I think bags are really piece of jewelry, especially for the price and for the craftsmanship. It's just a piece of art. With a wide variety of styles and designs, I'd like to think that there's a Diego Rocha in my future. Maybe in five or ten years I'll do shoes. Who knows? <laughs> Handbags aren't the only high-end accessory that have a Latino touch. In Chicago, if you need a yacht to go with your sense of style, then Karma Yacht Sales in Bridgeport will help you set sail. I first learned to sail at the age of 10 at uh, scout camp, getting my small boat sailing merit badge. And then when my career brought me back here to Chicago, I bought my first sailboat with my brother uh, and two friends. And uh, that was our, our first venture into boat ownership. In 2002, along with his good friend Jack Busio, Lou launched Karma Yacht Sales, an opportunity to return home and establish a business that would anchor his passion for sailing on the docks of Lake Michigan. What formed my entrepreneurship was growing up, seeing my dad put a lot of hours into being a, 
a company guy at the steel mill. You know, and then of course when the steel mills closed, you know, he was, you know, he lost his job. What this country has to offer is the ability to start your own business and lead your own path. And so even when I worked in corporate America, I saw my, my ultimate vision was to own my own business. Located in Bridgeport, Karma Yacht Sales is now Lake Michigan's preeminent sailboat dealership, specializing in Beneteau sailing yachts. That offers a lot of value for the price that you're paying. And that's, the, that's kind of what drew us to Beneteau originally, and, and what we've built our, our involvement in the sailboat brokerage market. Uh, the residual value of the vessels is also very important. Uh, Beneteau leads in that. I'm very passionate about making sure that the, sail the sport of sailing reaches a lot of different people. And that's kind of what I'm committed to. That's why I feel that that's my, my mission. And when we named the boat, uh, our very first boat, Karma, uh, our belief is that, you know, by doing well by our customers, it all kind of comes back to us in the end. Racing takes his passion for sailing to another level, competing in the well-known Chicago Yacht Club race to Mackinac for the last 10 years. Lou and his crew boast four out of five wins in their racing division. While sailing may not be for everyone, Lou's passion is infectious, hoping to make this elite sport available to everyone looking for a little freedom on the waves of Lake Michigan. My vision for boating in Chicago is that it becomes a more inclusive sport that's available to people of all different walks of life. Being Latino, it's something that I'm very passionate about and having grown up on the southeast side where if it wasn't for scouting, I may have not gotten that experience to, to being on the water and being a sailor. And I, I, I make sure that a lot of people have that opportunity. I'm, I'm very involved in scouting today um, in terms of bringing scouting to the Latino community. But more, more importantly, our vision revolves around the ability to kind of have a community sailing center that will allow you know, people from the south side of Chicago or wherever from different neighborhoods, children that normally wouldn't even know what a sailboat is or what the lakefront has to offer, I have the opportunity to come out and experience it. While men have always led the way as captains of industry, opportunities for today's enterprising Latinas are everywhere. When we return, we'll meet Alicia Gonzalez of Chicago Run and Nancy Andrade of Mexi Feast Foods. Welcome back to the Enya Beat. The nonprofit sector is not often seen as the playing field of entrepreneurs. Alicia Gonzalez is challenging that assumption one mile at a time, one child at a time. John Garcia has the story. To say that Chicago Run is just a running program would be to sell it a little short. This two-year-old program is off to a good start in about 30 Chicago public schools. But don't just take my word for it. If you want to know the program works, ask the kids. They forced me to run. Like, no, they don't like force me, but like, um, like I run and then like they cheer me on so I keep going and going. I feel sweaty and happy, but at the end, I feel glad that I actually finished it. At Walsh Elementary School in Pilsen, the Chicago Runners program is mandatory at all grade levels. Middle school students who choose to run a little more can sign up for the Chicago Running Mates program. It's an awesome program and they make you exercise a lot, but it's worth it. Running can increase your grades and you, you can learn almost everything with running. 
as an educator, I would definitely recommend this program. This is a great way to bring in health and the overall well-being of our students and doing it in a way that they really feel part of a positive group. It helps bring my school together, it helps bring parents and children together, and really helps bridge the community together towards not just running, but health, nutrition, and, and these types of things that really make a huge impact on the education of the children. From start to finish, Executive Director Alicia Gonzalez is the pulse of Chicago Run, committed to serving the underserved. I grew up in Pilsen back in, you know, 30 years ago. It wasn't safe to run in the streets. I brought to Chicago Run my own past background in community organizing, my own past connection to the community. The Chicago Run program has a staff of just three, but they manage and coach about 6,000 student runners. Like a child who might not have ever been active or doesn't even like to participate in PE is very welcome in our programs. And I think that those are the kids that actually excel the most um, because they see the biggest changes in themselves. It doesn't um, distinguish any kid from another. And so they're all rewarded. They're all learning about you know, leadership and goal setting. Encouraging good nutritional habits, training on elliptical machines, or mapping their own virtual marathon via the Chicago Run website are all part of Alicia's efforts to tap their potential as runners and students. We are proud to announce that on Sunday we will have 55 of our running mates participating in the Shamrock Shuffle as the culminating event for their winter program. Recently at Nike Town, the Chicago running mates met and ran with Sarah Reinertsen, the first female amputee to complete an Ironman triathlon. The Nike event was great because they were actually able to see an elite athlete who had overcome a lot of adversity and had triumphed with one leg. That's pretty inspirational. As a marathon runner myself, I know sometimes you hit a wall late in the race, but Alicia says this race is still in the early miles and there's no finish line in sight. The community needs to want a program like Chicago Run. And honestly, the program is as successful as the leadership within the school. So when you have a strong advocate in a school for a program like Chicago Run, the better it's going to be. Our next story has another young Latina in a race all by herself. I sat down with attorney Nancy Andrade at the Whole Foods in Lincoln Park. Oddly enough, it is where she feels most comfortable now that her career has taken a new direction. Why did you decide to leave a promising law career to start a tamale business? Call it fate, call it destiny. Uh, I was working at a large law firm. Uh, at that time, there were only four Latino attorneys. I would always get asked, where can I get good Mexican food, specifically tamales? I said, you know, you want a good tamale? My mom and dad make a pretty good tamale. You're selling all these tamales to your colleagues and to your friends, and did you weigh thinking, wait a minute, this is not bad money that I'm making here. I started looking, taking a hard look at how much money we were making selling the tamales at the firm, and I said, I think I'm onto something. In 2003, Nancy and her family launched MexiFeast Foods Incorporated, a brand that now supplies Whole Foods and Jewel Osco. In addition to being the president, legal counsel, I'm also the demo girl, and I'm the sales girl, and doing the different demos that's how I realized uh, people would ask, um, is there a, a non-meat option? Is there a vegan or a vegetarian option? 
If there is any question of authenticity, Nancy was smart enough to stick to the old family recipe for her tamales. It is a family recipe. We have the classic tamale, which is our beef tamale, the pork tamale, and the chicken in uh, salsa verde. Uh, I have to admit that the tamales are natural line, which is what we sell to Whole Foods. The chicken chipotle, the vegan, the veggie and cheese. That is strictly my creation. Um, Teresa, you and I both know that there is no such thing in Mexico as a chicken chipotle tamale. That flavor just does not exist. But here in the United States, chicken chipotle chipotle is very popular, very robust, earthy flavor that the consumers would like. And that's what I created. You like being referred to as the tamale lawyer. A word has gotten out in the local food industry that I am, the, that I am a lawyer. And um, so people treat me a little bit differently with a little bit more respect. It doesn't matter how old you are, you're always a student of life. She credits her tenure as corporate securities lawyer as time well spent, learning the power of negotiation. It's a lesson she shared with the next generation of entrepreneurs. I tell them my story. I tell them to dream big, to learn from me. And yes, I've made some mistakes along the way, but mistakes are sometimes good. You learn more from your mistakes and from your successes. And success continues to be Nancy's calling card with her recent nomination to the Supreme Court Bar inspired by the appointment of Justice Sonia Sotomayor. I am very thankful that in my lifetime I've seen three women on the Supreme Court and the fact that the third one is the first and only Latina, um, it gave me great, great pride and great joy. Artists and businessmen and teachers have always been the lifeblood of our communities. Coming up next, we'll meet two such artists, sculptor Roman Villarreal and guitar craftsman Ricardo Salazar. Welcome back to the Enya Beat. You may not consider sculptor Roman Villarreal an entrepreneur, but consider this. He's been chipping away at his craft for more than 30 years. I grew up in, uh, in the barrio they call the bush, which Literally, if you were going to be born anywhere in the mills, that was the closest you'll ever get to the steel mills. I, lived, I was born right across the street from the mills. As soon as I was old enough, I think I was like 17, and my father's way of keeping us off the street, he put us into the steel mills to work. A former steel worker, Roman Villarreal, is no stranger to working with his hands. Today, he carves stone, alabaster, and more importantly, a legacy among sculptors in Chicago. My dedication to sculpture now is to leave kind of like a, an herencia, something like a, a, something that people will always remember you from, you know. And the costumbre of, of our culture is that when you stop speaking about that person, he dies forever. That's why the other Muertos holiday is so important to us because we speak about all our uncles and aunts and that because the way it was told to me as a young man is that when we stop talking about them, they died forever. So me, in that concept of, and putting it together with my artwork, it's like being immortal in a sense. You know, I'll die, but not my work. Relying on his own ambition and resources, Roman's training in the fine arts was non-traditional. I did a lot of studying on my own, a lot of studying on my own. And it was really interesting and aggravating because here you are reading about Dadaism and the abstract movement, and there's not one person in South Chicago that you could possibly talk to about the subject without thinking that you're a nut. Seeking mentorship and an audience for his work, 
Roman and Mexican artist Jose Moreno anonymously sculpted a mermaid at Montrose Beach that now lies in Bessemer Park. I could see three-dimensional already because of my training and because I've done it so long that my eyes automatically start dissecting and putting here because see, in the sculpture world, there's only subtraction. As an artist, I will always continue to grow. I don't think that I ever want to reach that level that says, you know, I made it, here I am. Weekday afternoons at the South Chicago Art Center, you can find Roman carving out a future of art appreciation among his eager apprentices. If the community starts buying our artwork, it stays within the familia and it becomes an heirloom. In other words, it passes on within generations. But what you're doing is you're supporting us as artists. We're like historians, in other words. When you come back in history of life and you're gonna say, well, wonder what happened during this period of time that Roman was alive. You look at my artwork and my artwork will tell you by itself what we were doing in the communities, in the barrios during this period. As an artist, Roman knows his investment of time and energy, whether working on a commission piece or teaching children will always be more about passion than payday. Some social conscious work that was done in the early, say, 60s and 70s, we learned the hard way because they had, it was issue related, but there's no market for it. But you're making a point you know, in, in history, but you're not gonna make any money. It's when you create from the corazón, from your heart and your soul, from a piece of stone, you say, well, I wanna give this feeling or this emotion. That's when the rock becomes more personal to you. Making a living as an artist is a tough enterprise. Ricardo Salazar is relying on his talent, musicianship, and a little help from the internet to keep the tradition of Son Jarocho alive. John Garcia has the story. Really came to the Harana through uh, my desire to play Son Jarocho uh, music, which is a folk style from the southern region of Veracruz, Mexico. It is a distinct sound in Mexican folk music, a small eight-string guitar called the Hirana. Craftsman Ricardo Salazar has carved a niche in his own musical legacy by making the guitar himself. It does have a distinctive sound. It's pretty much the sound of the Son Jarocho uh, style is, is the Hirana. There's certain patterns that you follow. Um, the most uh, familiar would be the rasgueo, which makes it... I start off with a piece of genuine mahogany. I um, draw my uh, instrument on it using a template and I cut it out, hollow it out using my uh, drill press and uh, make a top for it, a fretboard. And basically the rest of it is, is similar to a guitar um, building process. My introduction to this kind of music, to Son Jarocho, was as a child through um, Los Lobos, actually, one of my favorite groups. And they uh, obviously recorded the soundtrack to the La Bamba movie, and they also put out a fantastic album that has been one of my favorite albums um, my whole life, and it's called La Pistola del Corazón. And on that album, they, they play a couple traditional Son Jarocho songs. A signature sound, a custom guitar. All Ricardo needed was a place to perform to showcase his instrument. I do perform with it. I perform in a group called Son del Viento um, in Chicago. And we play um, all over the city. We play at schools as well. And basically we play traditional Son Carocha music. Part of uh, 
why we do it is um, other than loving loving the music. We also are trying to expose people to this kind of music um, because we love it and we think uh, people will love it as well. From his love for the music came the idea to begin an internet company. He set up artesalazar.com, a site to sell his guitars and gig bags made by his wife, Maureen. I was making haranas and I needed a, an instrument bag for it. And since um, the harana isn't a very popular instrument, you can't walk into Guitar Center and buy a gig bag for it. Um, my wife comes from a sewing background, so I asked her to make me one. And I, I carried my harana around with my gig bag and uh, you know, everyone who saw it loved it and asked me where they can get one. Arte Salazar's internet presence will help Ricardo reach a larger customer base for the Havana. In the meantime, he hopes his music will win over new fans to Son Jorocho. Arte Salazar is definitely a passion. It started off as a passion, and whether I sell a Harana ever again, I'll still be making them, and I'll still be uh, playing them, and playing Son Jorocho, and incorporating it in, in other styles of music as well. We wish both Roman and Ricardo continued success. When the Enya Beat returns, I'll have some final thoughts. For more information about the Enya Beat, log on to abc7chicago.com. Now you know their names, and I hope you remember their brand names. So look for them and support our Latino entrepreneurs. For my colleagues, John Garcia and Stacey Baca, I'm Teresa Gutierrez. Thank you for watching this edition of the Enya Beat.